Sean Jaziari, thanks for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk with you about your background. Of course, you spent quite a bit of time in consulting before moving through some of the major brand name companies that I think a lot of our audience is going to be familiar with, a strategy leader and innovation leader in that same world still. So let's go back to the beginning here. I want to talk a bit about your days at Accenture and at Booz Allen Hamilton as well. Can you tell us what made you join consulting? Yeah, so I read a book called Megatrends when in the early 1980s that talked about what industries are going to be blossoming, and I wanted to get into the IT industry. And I did a little bit of research, and Arthur Anderson, their consulting division, was known to have excellent training. So I decided to join the division of Arthur Anderson. It was called MICD, Management Information Consulting Division purely because of their excellent reputation in training. So that's how I got into consulting. Good. What kind of projects did you work on in consulting? So the first project I did was actually an internal project developing an ERP software on a, it used to be called IBM System 38. And it was purely a programming, it really wasn't consulting. That one was software development, developing software that the company used to serve customers. But the nice thing about it was I learned some of the basics of software development. And after about six months, I actually started consulting projects. Uh, my first project was working in the casino industry, consulting to uh, the Hilton Hotels and Casino that was trying to automate their existing systems at their property in Las Vegas. And also we're in the process of opening up a property in Nevada and opening up a property in Australia. So I got into that and it was basically a two-year stint with multiple properties of Hilton in those days. And I know you moved from one consulting firm to another at one point during your consulting career. What motivated you to stay in consulting but change consulting firms? So when I went to business school, I was always impressed by the strategy consultings like McKinsey and Booz Allen. In those days, Booz Allen was a big consulting company, BCG and Bain, and I always dreamed about working for them. And one day I saw an ad in the Wall Street Journal. I know you're not supposed to get jobs like that. For a job at Booz Allen, I applied and they interviewed me and I got the job. And it was excellent because my focus up to then was more on the end of the consulting cycle, meaning the actual design and delivery, but not on the strategic planning part of systems. And with Booz Allen, I did nothing but actual system strategy. There was no development. There was no design. It was more helping the CIOs decide how to prioritize the project, how to better work with their customers, how to align their strategy to the business strategy of the company, how to decide on spending levels and things like that. So it was an excellent learning experience for me. Okay. So moving from one consulting firm to another sounds like it really helped you round out that consulting toolkit. You had the implementation or execution piece from your early days in consulting and then eventually developed that strategy toolkit as well. It sounds like you're having a very successful career in consulting. How many years altogether were you a consultant and then what made you decide to leave consulting? So I was in consulting from 83 to 95, so 12 years. And I had managed to become, eventually it went back to the implementation side of things. And I had developed some deep, deep technical skills and industry skills. So I was helping companies 
do a little bit of strategy, but then I took it all the way to the end. I didn't just tell them what they should do. I then helped them do it and develop software. And one of my strengths was my technical expertise. Well, I noticed things were changing and my technical skills were becoming obsolete. And I was sensitive to it because I actually taught a class at a local community college on a technology. In those days, it was IBM AS400s. And 80% of my class was people with technologies that had become obsolete that were trying to retool themselves. And I thought to myself, I'm never going to let that happen. And I kind of noticed same things happening to me with mid-range computers giving way to three-tier architectures, something I didn't have any expertise on. And it's time for me to make a shift. Very interesting. Walk us through that shift. What did you shift to? Well, so I was trying to retool myself technically, and I was trying to focus more on strategic consulting. I was not planning to leave consulting. But once again, I saw an ad in the Wall Street Journal, this time for a business manager to the CIO of Microsoft. And I applied for it. And I was very proud in those days because I had just started my Prodigy membership. And I was very impressed with myself when I was able to email my resume to Microsoft, which in those days, I felt like I was really a, you know, well ahead of myself because that was not a common thing to do. And four weeks later, I moved to Seattle and I was working at, at Microsoft. And you had a few positions there at Microsoft. Describe that role to us. I'd love to understand what the day-to-day was and how your consulting toolkit helped you succeed at Microsoft. So the job was basically helping the CIO. It was almost like being a strategy consultant, help them develop their annual plan and then make sure we're executing to that plan. I would say one of the most biggest skills that I used that I learned was how to deal with difficult customers. The Microsoft management was a very no-nonsense team, and IT was never a darling of theirs because it was a love-hate relationship. Microsoft always liked to talk about how their technology helps uh, companies reduce their cost, which was a very true statement. But then when they saw how much we're spending on IT, they got very frustrated with that because it kind of, in their mind, contradicted it. Well, the truth is the Microsoft IT is not your typical IT because they're also Microsoft's what they call first and best customer, meaning every time there's a beta product, they're the first company that has to use it internally, which adds a tremendous amount of value to Microsoft. But it also adds a lot of expense to IT because most IT companies are not willing to be beta customers. So that was part of the reasons why we always had to be ready to defend why we're spending so much money and so on. My role after being the business manager to the CIO was to become an IT director where I basically helped develop systems that our partners used. And then I ended up seeing an internal position posted for a director of worldwide operations for consulting. So I ended up going back to consulting, although not as a consultant, but as a head of operations for consulting. And it was a very good, interesting job for me because I did things such as uh, run the customer satisfaction program for Microsoft Consulting Services, help do peer reviews where I would take a practice manager of one country to go with me to another country to kind of exchange ideas on best practices. Of course, we had to do the budgeting and metrics and things like that. So it was an excellent experience for me. While in Microsoft, I had to be on the other end of uh, dealing with external consultants. 
which kind of gave me a very good overview. Again, seeing what is good to work with a bad consultant and a good consultant. And I kind of uh, saw some of the mistakes that I had made repeated. And I also saw some of the things that I did well to see some of these guys do really well. So it was a very good experience for me. And I expect Microsoft was a very exciting company at that time. And you were there for the second half of the 90s, right? What motivated you to jump from Microsoft at that time? Uh, in a way, I didn't leave Microsoft. This is what the story is. I was called into a confidential meeting. And I was told that Microsoft is speaking to Accenture about opening up a joint venture. It was a code name Shasta in those days, and it was a very secret thing. And a lot of my colleagues at Microsoft Consulting were excited about going there. And the joint venture started, and Microsoft was very eager to have some people from Microsoft go there. Steve Ballmer said he wants Microsoft DNA into Avanade. And the problem for Microsoft was the stock was at an all-time high. This was right before the internet bubble, and nobody was willing to leave Microsoft because all the vested stock was worth so much money. So Microsoft told Avanade that they can work, they can choose 25 people where Microsoft will basically incent them to leave in ways of finding ways to make sure they get the unvested portion of their stock somehow if they go to Avanade. And I was fortunate to be selected as one of those 25, where not only was it a good financial deal for me, but it also was the excitement of starting a new company. And the position they wanted me for was to be their chief information officer, which I always saw as a path for myself. So I was very excited about that, and I gladly accepted that opportunity. And you knew Accenture pretty well at that point in your career, too. Yeah. In fact, the CEO who was from Accenture was a former colleague of mine from the same office of when I worked in Orange County. His name was Mitch Hill. And when they submitted my name to him, he said, oh, I know this guy. And Microsoft kind of said, oh, oh. And they said, and what do you think of him? He said, oh, I liked him. I just want to know what he's done since then. So yeah, I was one of the probably three or four people who had experience with both Microsoft and Accenture, in my case, Arthur Anderson, when I joined Avanade. Very good. Well, that sounds like an exciting opportunity and one that was still influenced by consulting and kind of working back uh, with some of your old colleagues there. That's really interesting. Tell us about that journal. That's quite a jump into big structured organizations, which you spent the early part of your career in, and then moving into sounds into a very senior leadership role with a probably a bit of a different flavor type of business than, than you'd worked in previously. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I've worked in IT departments before as a consultant and I told CIOs what they should do. So this is my chance to show that I knew what I was talking about. And I'll give you an example of willingness to change based on information that you get. When I first took the job as the CIO, I wrote a memo and I basically said, you know, stability and having robust systems is foundation to our IT. IT is really important to our consultants. Therefore, we're not going to be a leading edge IT. We're going to be a conservative IT company. We want to make sure our systems are very stable and always work. And everyone signed off on it. And three or four months later, I got calls from our consulting heads. I said, you know, we're trying to sell leading edge Microsoft solutions. And we go to the CIOs and they say, no, 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 we're not going to do this. It's too early, blah, blah, blah. And they say, no, it's not too early. 
And the CIO says, well, what does your CIO do? And we kind of say, well, we're one version back. And that's not helping us. We need you to be a showcase of what we're trying to do. And it made a lot of business sense to me. So I wrote another memo. And this time I said, instead of being a risk averse, we're going to be a risk mitigator, meaning we are going to become a leading edge company. And we're going to embrace the fact that we're taking risks and we're going to have a very big risk management program to deal with that. And we did that and I changed our metrics. One of the metrics I came up with was number of case studies published externally as a showcase in our success in using leading edge technology. And that resulted in my job changing where not only was I the CIO, but I also was part of the sales team where every once in a while they would say, well, this CIO wants to hear your experience of how you use this technology. So it kind of became a hybrid CIO slash business development person. But something else happened during that. I was at Avanot for a total of nine years. I was the CIO for about six and a half years. Tell us about the growth of Avanot during your time there. Well, I think I was employee number 40. And when I left, there were 10,000 employees. Our revenue was zero when I joined. And it was about 1 billion when I left. But I was going to tell you about one other event that ended up forming my career today. About six months after I joined Avanade, our CEO, Mitch Hill, came up to me and said, I want you to become the head of our global alliance for Microsoft. And in addition to being the CIO, I said, you know, Mitch, that sounds like a sales marketing guy. I'm not a sales marketing guy. And he said, well, actually, I think you'd be great for the job because you're good at balancing stakeholders' interests, multiple stakeholders' interests. You're good at influencing people. You're very metrics-driven. And you happen to have very good contacts at Microsoft and know a lot about them. So I think you'd be the perfect guy. And as it turned out, he was right. It was a very good experience for me. And again, I had to learn a lot about how to work on alliances instead of just being IT. One of the differences I realized is in an IT job, you pull your hair out for the 1% that goes wrong. In alliances, you celebrate for the 1% that goes right. And you're always a hero. Nobody talks about everything that you tried that didn't work in IT. The one thing that doesn't go well, you're focused on it. I've come to learn, I believe CIOs, in my opinion, make excellent alliances persons in the IT industry. And to an extent, the same applies to IT consultants. I think they can make excellent alliance people. Typically, alliances are filled by ex-sales and marketing people. In my opinion, IT people, if they have the right personality, they would make excellent alliances persons. Well, that's very helpful advice for some of our audience members. And of course, Sean, you've likely been in a position to fill those senior IT or head of alliance positions there. Have you ever filled one of those roles with a former management consultant or someone from the IT industry? I have not only because uh, in my position now, we don't have any pure alliances people. I'm the only alliance person. We're a small company, but I would absolutely consider it. Definitely would. I know a lot of people who I think would be perfect for it, who are IT consultants. I know we're fast forwarding here a bit and jumping over the position you held at, at Wire Pro, but I want to get to this the time whenever you rejoined Microsoft for a short time. Tell us about that. What made you decide to go back there again and then decide to leave again? I've always loved Microsoft. And really, since 95, I've either been an employee, a customer, a vendor, or a partner of Microsoft. 
So again, I decided to join back and I'm glad I did. But I had to leave for personal reasons. My mother became very ill and I decided I need to move back to Southern California. So the decision was not career related. It was personal related, but it was a easy decision, but a painful one for me to leave. Of course. Tell us a bit about your current position and your current company, if you don't mind. So the company is Corrent Technology. We are an ISV company that has a SaaS platform, and we help companies migrate the workloads to the cloud, modernize them, optimize them after we move them, SaaS enable their applications, and move them to Azure and AWS marketplaces. The role that I have, my title is Senior VP of Strategic Alliances, and I basically manage our relationship with the cloud providers, which is Microsoft, AWS, and Google, and also the global SIs. And it's a small world. Almost every company I need to form an alliance with, when I go on LinkedIn, I find one of my former colleagues who either works at one of the GSIs or at Amazon. So it's been a very good, fulfilling experience for me. Both the Microsoft and the consulting experience come in very handy because when talking to consultants, you kind of speak the same language. And when it comes to Microsoft, I speak the same language. And AWS has so many ex-Microsoft people that in a way we speak the same language when I talk to them. Well, that's very interesting. And this is one of the smaller organizations you've worked for throughout your career. Is that right? Yeah, this is one of the smallest ones, and it's a different experience. I mean, there's a lot of nice things about working for a small company, and then there's a lot of uh, not-so-nice things about working for a small company. But overall, at this stage of my career, I prefer smaller companies. For consultants thinking about the next move in their career, any recommendations on why they should target large companies or reasons why they might target smaller companies? Well, so the nice thing about nice companies is agility and lack of bureaucracy. And also, if you pick the right one at the right time, the potential growth. The downside of small companies is the risk. Usually with a small company, you can't afford one bad year. And also just lack of credibility and lack of familiarity with some of the larger companies. You know, if you tell somebody you work for Microsoft and Accenture, they know who you are. They immediately want to talk to you. If you're a company they haven't heard of, you have to work a little bit harder to get their attention and also to convince them that they should do business with you and you'll still be around five years from now. With the larger companies, bureaucracy is a necessary evil. And sometimes it's a little bit frustrating to uh, wait to make a decision that needs to be made that takes three months instead of one hour like it would as a small company. The other thing I like about a, a small company, every month I can look at something and I say, this happened because of me. It, you can make an impact. In a large company, unless if you're in a very, very unique position, you can work very hard, do an excellent job, but you don't, I'm not sure I could work, point to something at the end of six months and say, this was because of me because you're part of a very big team and you're contributing, but it's not as significant or as measurable or as tangible as it is in a small company. Very good perspectives. And I want to double click a little bit more on your position or the several positions you've had leading alliances. What exactly does that entail? And does that mean the same thing at different companies? Just so that folks 
in our audience who are listening and thinking that that might be a path they want to go down, is that position very similar across industries, across sizes of companies? There are some things that should be common in every company. I mean, the first thing is identifying which companies you have some strategic alignment with where it makes sense for the two of you to work together. The second point is once you do that to make contact, understand what their objectives are, look at your own objectives and look for an overlap of areas where it makes sense to work together. Identify those, agree on what each side is going to do, agree on metrics to measure to see if each side is really planning, is really executing on their commitment or not. Have regular cadence measurements where you get together and say, you said you're going to do this, you haven't, what are you going to do to fix it? Or I know I said I'm going to do this, I know I haven't delivered, this is what I'm going to do differently. Or look, we said we're going to do this and we succeeded, congratulations, let's high five. What do we do to get this to the next level? The other thing that's very important, almost every company that you're friends with, you're also competing with in some other area. And I find it best to acknowledge those up front and say, look, we're going to be friends in these areas. We're going to be competing in these areas. Best luck to you. Best luck to me. But let's agree on some rules of engagement. This is what we're not going to do to each other. It's fair to compete. It's not fair to backstab each other or, or do that. So let's avoid any surprises or uh, emotional issues. Hey, we're going to be competitors in these areas and we're going to be friends in these areas. Do these partnerships, these alliances, often lead to acquisitions? When it's a small company dealing with a large company, it's a very likely scenario. So yes, I know a lot of cases that has happened. And who knows, there's a possibility it might happen to us. I'm good. Well, Sean, I really appreciate you talking us through your career and through the details of your consulting days and your leadership positions inside of IT. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our audience with? No, I think because you asked some very good questions, I told you everything I needed to tell you. So I thank you for your time. Sean, thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation. 